Thank you for tuning in to Lexington Road Ministries podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to stop by. We hope you enjoy today's message. Verse number 19, this is what Paul was saying to the Ephesians. He said, now therefore, I believe it's the NLT says consequently, so there's, this is as a result of, now therefore you are no longer strangers and you are no longer foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Amen? One version says it like this, that you are the members of God's family. And it's not just you, it's more like we. It's not a me, this is a we thing, that we are members of God's family, that together we are God's house. Verse number 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Amen? I think what Paul was trying to say and what, what, I don't know, the Holy Spirit has been trying to say to you all month and what I've driven, I don't know, eight hours yesterday to be here with you today to tell you, I just feel like God wants us to know that we're family, amen? And that family, it could look different. Family can be diverse. Family can have problems. Family can have issues. Family may not look the same. Family may not have the same background. We may be a lot of different people collected from a lot of different places, but we are family. We are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, Amen. And here it is, consequently, he began in verse 19 saying, now therefore, what he was saying is it's been, it's been as a result of Christ, that we were once foreigners and that we were once strangers, but Christ came and he changed everything. His death, his resurrection, and his life means that we are no longer lost and we are no longer living without hope. As children of God, we are alive. We have been aligned with Christ. He is the head and we are the body. You see, we are family this morning. Every one of us are family. There, there is a common thread that is just running through each and every one of us, this beautiful tapestry that all of us make. We're the family of God. Christ has collected us. He has unified us perfectly, connected each and every one of us. You say, what is he up to? What is he trying to do? He's constructing a church, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. He's creating a place for God to dwell. You see, God is looking for a place to hang out. God is looking for, I don't know, a place that his presence can fall in. And I believe it's when the family comes together. Amen. It's when the family comes together, no matter how different we may be, no matter how diverse or I don't know whether the distance doesn't make any difference. What God is trying to do is to tell us he's bringing us together because he's looking for a place that he wants to dwell. It's not about brick and mortar. It's not about, I don't know, about ceiling tiles or carpet. No. God is building a church, a dwelling place. It's you and it's me. It's not pews. It's people. God is trying to put his people together, bring his people together because he wants to hang out with us. He wants to be with us because we are family. We are family. There is a big and very broken world right here in Richmond, in the Lexington and all throughout Kentucky that needs a church. It needs a body of believers to come together to make a statement, to do something that will transform not, 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 not just Richmond, but anyone and everyone. God is looking for a people to pour himself into. You see, we're family this morning. Amen? We're family this morning. And the message, here it is, in a nutshell, if you miss everything, if you get this, then you've got it all, is that family worships together. Amen? Family works together because family will always win together. Amen? You see, that's what God's been saying all month. And I don't know what Pastor Bishop, Dr. Michael Knight may have said. I don't even know what Pastor Bishop 
Bill. I don't know all the messages, but I do know this. I know the one that was speaking to them is speaking to me, and he sent me here to Lexington Road to tell you that you've been hearing all of this because God's trying to put something together. God is trying to put a church together, and it's not buildings, though you have a beautiful building. It's people. It's each and every one of you, and some of you that have come today, God's trying to remind you that this is family, that we are family, and God wants to use you to worship him for us to work together because he wants us to win. He wants each and every one of us to win. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Is that okay? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen? We're family. So let me give you a little bit of scripture. Is that okay? Scripture is a good thing. Just a few scriptures, and then we'll pray, and then I'll start preaching. Amen? It's Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to read these really quickly, but I, I, want, I, want, I'm just, I want you to see what God's trying to say. I don't want you to take my word for it. I'd really like you to take his word for it. Amen? So here's what the scripture says. Galatians chapter 3, 26, 27, and 28. It says, in Christ Jesus, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is not Jew, not Gentile, not slave, not free. It's not about being male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. It means that in Christ, each and every one of us have been baptized. You thought you got baptized. You need to understand that we've been baptized into Christ. Amen? It's not just you being clothed, but we're all clothed into Christ. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter your experience. It doesn't matter how bad you used to be or what side of the tracks you grew up on, how much money that you have, who you voted for, what position you have at work or what position you even have in this church. What matters is that we are in Christ. That's what Paul told the Colossians, he says, all that really matters is that we're in Christ. That's what unites us. That's what makes us one. That's what makes us family. Amen? You guys still with me? Is that, if I may talk fast, it's the New York that got in me. I was up there for, I don't know, 13 years. It messed me up. Amen? I'm trying to flush it out and slow down. So, so God brought me to Richmond. Amen? He brought me to Richmond. I may slow down today, but I don't know. I feel like God's wanting to pick it up. Amen? I feel like God's wanting to do something with his church. Amen? He's trying to put us together, glue us together. He's trying to unite us because, you know what? Jesus is still coming back. Amen? We're still building a kingdom. God's still trying to do something incredible right here in Richmond, Kentucky. And in, look, in order for God to do it, in order for God to accomplish his will, we've got to come together. We've got to realize that we're family. Colossians 3 and 11, in this new life, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, civilized, slave, or free. What he was saying to the Colossians, I believe God is saying to us, Christ is all that matters. He's the one that unites us. He is the point. He is the one we look to. Ephesians 4 and 6 from Christ, the whole body is joined together, held together, every supporting ligament, it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God is saying that if we'd get it together, and if we would work together, and if we would do our part and do what we are supposed to do, God said, I'll do everything that I have promised to do. What's the premise? What's the idea? We're family, amen? God's trying to do something in the family. I feel like I did, all month long, your pastor didn't just stumble across this series, and it looks, you know, let's talk about family. That makes sense. That sounds like a good idea for Thanksgiving. No, the Holy Spirit led him to this topic. He led him to this theme. Why? Because God's saying, I want to get the family together. Amen? There's something incredible that happens when you get the family together. When everybody comes in and everybody sits down, and there's something There's something that takes place. It creates memories. It does things. that It just changes everything when the family gets it together we are family amen 
Come on, two more real quick. Romans 12 and 5. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. Amen? We are one body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now. I love that word now. Right now. Not two weeks from now. Not, not, not I don't know, 10 years in the good old days. No, no. God is saying right now, you are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. And each and every one of you is a part of this body. Every one of you. We used to say in the army, Lottie Dottie, everybody, everybody. Everybody is a part of this family. I love the Army. My dad was in the Army for 20 years. I was in the Army Reserve for eight years. I like this side of the stage, so I may come over here. It has nothing to do with you guys. It's just this is, I'm drawn to this side. Amen? I'll try to share on other sides. But when I was in the Army, we were told that, that in the Army, you're not black, you're not white, you're not yellow, you're green. Amen? And I always loved that concept, and I grew up in it, and I actually served in it. I'm just telling you, we're all the same color in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter who you are. We now, right now, we are one body. Amen. We are one body and every single one of you is a part of that body. And anyone that says otherwise is a, they're the devil. They're a liar. Amen. You need to rebuke that voice because we are one body. We are in Christ. We are family. And God is trying to do something incredible in this family. You say, preacher, this is the first time you've ever been to Richmond. You don't even know us. I don't need to know you. I know the one who made you and saved you, the one who has anointed you and empowered you, and he sent me here today to tell you that I want to do something big in this crazy broken world. If this family would worship together, if you will work together, then we, every one of us, will win together. We are family. Amen? I got to watch how I say that. Amen? If I say it too quick, it's like that song, uh, you know, we are family, you know. I know you're saying you were so spiritual and then you got like all off track, amen? Come on. You guys aren't that spiritual either, amen? Amen. So I, I have to slow it down. So now I'm going to pray and then I'm going to preach and then we're going to pray again and then we're going to eat, amen? Everybody, I like to know where I'm going. I don't know about you, amen? I can't stand those preachers. You have no idea. They won't, they won't give you a preview. They don't tell you anything. They just preach for hours and you don't even, I'm going to pray, I'll preach, Amen? We're going to talk about worship, we're going to talk about work, we're going to talk about winning, we're going to pray again, and then we're going to go eat. Is everybody good? I promise that's all I'm going to do. Now, that may take me two hours, but I'm just saying that's all I'm going to do, amen? I'm kidding. I won't preach that long, amen? If I start preaching long, just like, hold, look, people, just do this. Look at your watch and things. Just like that. Amen? You've got it right there, all the way in the back, Amen? Amen. Pray with me. I'm, I really, I want you to pray with me because I feel like God wants to speak and that we need to be listening. So pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, God, we just come before you. God, thanking you and praising you. God, we give you glory and we give you honor. God, everything this praise team was doing, every song that they were singing, every chord that they hit, God, every lyric that they spoke, God, we're echoing all of those sentiments and all of those thoughts. God, giving you praise and giving you glory this morning. Holy Spirit, welcoming in you, God, into this house. God, you just you want to dwell here because you want to speak here. God, there are things that you're wanting to do here in Lexington Road. And so, God, I pray that you would open our ears. God, God, that you would, I don't know, find a place in our heart to put your word, plant something within us, grow something, do something. God, for your glory and for your honor, may we see you, experience you. And God, may this not be just any Sunday. God, it's not about a meal, but it's about you and you're here and you want to do something. I believe it with all of my heart. And so, God, I speak it over them in the name of Jesus Christ that they are family. It's in your name. In your name we pray. In your name we agree. And everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. So the first thing, the first thing is that family worships together. Amen. See, that's just what family does. Amen. We worship together. Joshua chapter 24, you know Joshua chapter 24. It comes on the tail end of Joshua, so this is kind of part of Joshua saying goodbye. So, so it's kind of at the end after God, like, you know, you've got to put it into context. God had done everything that he said that he would do. Like, this was almost kind of climactic, right, because he had given Abraham a promise, and, you know, it kind of went on through Isaac and Jacob, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the, then they got into Egyptian bondage, and, like, everything fell apart. You guys know this biblical story stuff, right? And, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Moses led them out and it's looking good and then the people got crazy and a generation had to die off and then God had to raise up a new generation and it's Joshua and look, and look instead of parting the Red Sea now he parts the Jordan they go in they conquer and now they're living in the land flowing with milk and honey it's Canaan it's beautiful isn't this awesome isn't this incredible God did everything that he said that he would do and now we're living in the promise this should be a glorious moment but instead of it being a super glorious moment we find this in Joshua chapter 24, verse number 15, it seems kind of oddly placed, but, but, but I think that God's still speaking through his word. It says it, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, remember this? You guys remember this, right? Then choose for yourselves, choose this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Ammonites in whose land that you now live. But as for me and my house, amen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, amen. Amen. What was Joshua saying? He said, as for me and my house, we're going to worship God. Amen. Look, I don't know what you guys are going to do. I don't know what everybody else is going to do. I know what the Ammonites are going to do. I know what the Egyptians are going to do. You know, I, 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 look, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Look, but, but as for me and my house, you see, somebody had to make a statement. Somebody had to stand up. Somebody had to make a decision, a conscious effort that, that it was going to be different in this house. Amen. That something was going to be different about this house, that, that we're going to serve. We're going to worship God in this house. And what's so odd to me is that God had done so many incredible things. God had brought them out. God had made a way when there was no way. He had moved all the enemies out. He had given them one victory right after another victory. And Joshua still had to say it. He still had to make a statement. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me that he would have to make this statement. But he did make the statement. You say, what is God saying to me? What does Joshua 24, 15 mean to me? It means to me that the church needs to stand up and make a statement, amen? That family needs to stand up and make a statement, amen? Because Christianity, it look, it's not the same. I don't even like calling myself a Christian anymore because everybody calls themselves a Christian. I've been calling myself a Christ follower because it's become, it's become so diluted and everybody's saying they're following Christ, but they're not really following Christ. And the world is up to so many things and it's so much chaos and, and there's so much division. And even in the body of Christ, there's division. I feel like God is saying the church needs to come together. We need to get it together. We need to make a statement. Amen. I, look, I don't know. You could be Baptist, Methodist. I don't know what you want to call yourselves. But when we get to heaven, they don't call you that anymore. Amen. We are one body, one body, one body. And in Christ, in Christ, we are family. We need to make a decision. We need to make a statement. And that no matter what anybody else does, no matter what other churches may do, other communities, other countries, what the politics 
politicians may do. We're the church of God. We are the family of God. And what we do in this house is we are going to serve the Lord. We are going to worship the Lord. Amen. We need to make a statement, not be ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power that saves men and women. That's what it does. We've got to get unashamed of this thing. Don't let the enemy put you and push you into a corner like you can't talk about Jesus and you can't talk about the one you serve. We need to make a statement. We serve the Lord. What does family do? Family worships the Lord. Amen? Family worships together. So here's a good story. You ready for a good story? It's a biblical story, so it's a good story. I didn't make this up. It really happened. It's Acts chapter 2. Everybody knows Acts chapter 2, right? Come on, it's the reason we call ourselves Pentecostal. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And the day of Pentecost had come. Remember? The day of Pentecost had come. And it says that they were in one mind. They were one accord. They were all together. They were in one place, right? They were actually doing everything that I've been talking about. And as they were praying, 120 believers for 10 days had been praying. They'd been fasting, right? They had been singing. They had been, I don't know, I would say Peter had been preaching. They had been testifying. I don't know. You know what they were doing? They were worshiping God for 10 days straight is what they did. I would say hardly anybody left because they were in Jerusalem. And you probably didn't want to go hang out in Jerusalem too long because that was the city they had just killed Jesus in. So they were probably up there, probably not really going anywhere, probably for 10 days worshiping God's straight for 10 days because Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 to go to Jerusalem. You go to that room. Remember that room on that third story room? Go up there and, and something's going to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen. And that's why when you keep reading Acts chapter 2, it says it's suddenly, right? Suddenly. Look, you expect it. You just don't know when it's going to happen, right? Something's going to happen, but you don't know exactly when it's going to happen. It says it's suddenly a wind began to blow like a tornado ripped out of the heavens. And it said it began to fill the room where they were at and they saw it like fire falling. It divided the tongues. It rested on each and every one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in new tongues and you keep reading Peter stepped out and it says that 3,000 people got added to the church that day and we could preach this. This is a great sermon. It's a glorious moment. Amen. But you know the truth is the truth is it wasn't as glorious for, 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 for them as it has been for us. You guys know that right? Like, like we, look, we glamorize this particular part of Scripture. We do, and we say it's what makes us Pentecostal, and I don't argue any of that. But I'm just saying for them, it was not near as exciting as it is for us. You know that, right? Look, I don't know what you know. I don't know what you think, but let me fill you in. These people were scared to death. These people were shaking in their boots. I mean, come on. This, these, people, these people saw Jesus die on the cross, didn't they? They watched him die, and they were crushed. Every one of them was crushed. Peter denied him. They ran every different way. They were, they were denied. I mean, it was bad. This was bad. And for three days, they were broken. For three days, they were giving up because they really thought he was the one. And then all of a sudden, he comes back, and he comes back, and they're with him, and it looks pretty good, and it looks like, I don't know, it looks like, okay, maybe he is the Messiah. But then you get Acts chapter 1, and what does he do again? He leaves again. Now, what do you do when people leave you twice? We usually write them off, amen? Look, it didn't make any sense to them. This wasn't, the math wasn't making any sense to them. 
And then all of a sudden as he's leaving, what does he tell him to do? He says, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to go and pray. And they're looking at Jesus. I know, I know we act so super spiritual, but you know what? They, they were just as human as you and I are. They were probably looking at Jesus going, are you kidding me, Jesus? You want me to go back to, go to Jerusalem? That's where they crucified you. I'm not going back there because they'll arrest us. They'll, they'll persecute us. They'll kill us. We don't want to go back there. He told the he broke all the rules. He came and he left. He came and he left. And then he told them to go to a place that they probably would end up dying in. But they go anyways. And what do they do while they're there? The Bible says for 10 days they worshiped him. For 10 days they sought him. For 10 days they kept believing in him. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying, church, that no matter how hard it gets, church, no matter, no matter how tough it may seem, no matter, no matter what Jesus does or what he doesn't do, and he look, he may not do what you want him to do, but he's always going to do what he is supposed to look. It doesn't the things may not look like they're coming together. It may not look like family is working out. It may like look like God has left you or you're in a tough place and you don't know where he's at and you're looking at him like those 120 may have looked at him and saying what are you telling me to do this for I can't do that the, the, the point is this is that when even everything was falling apart and 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 and, 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 and the floor beneath them was being pulled out from I'm telling you they still decided they still kept worshiping God amen they still kept praising God they still kept praying they still kept fasting they killed the, they kept singing preacher Peter kept preaching and exhorting you say, I'm saying that this is what family does, amen? That no matter how hard it may get and no matter how difficult it may seem, that family always worships together, amen? amen. You gotta, gotta keep worshiping. A reminder of a story, 2 Chronicles chapter 5. I love this story. It's verses 11 through 14. It says it's something like this, that King Solomon had just built the temple. And, and, and it was like, I mean, it had just been built. The, the paint was like fresh on the walls. And the priests go in to do their thing. And the, it, says, it says that they consecrated themselves. And it says, it says that, I don't know, that regardless of their division, they came together. They dressed in fine linens. It says that the worship team was there. And everybody was together. The harps and the lyres. Everybody was singing. And they were unified. They sang with one voice. And it says, it says they sang, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And as they begin to sing, it says that the glory of the Lord fell in the temple. That they could no longer do what they had planned to do. And they had to step out. They had to back away because it was the Shekinah glory. It was a visible glory. It was like a cloud that rested in the temple. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying if the church would get it together, if family would get it together, if we would consecrate ourselves and ready ourselves, regardless of our division, no matter who we are, if we would, I don't know, bring our best, give God our best, if we would worship him and then we would be one voice, if we would be one voice that would pierce the heavens, God says, I'll, look, I'll show up. I'll pour things out. It's like Acts chapter 2. God wants to show up. God wants to pour things out. How does God move? What, what gets the attention of God? It's when we worship together. Amen? Amen? Come on, God is saying to you, Lexington Road. Look, look, just like you've been doing this morning, you got to keep doing this. The family worships together. It's God's looking for a place to dwell. God's looking for a place to pour new things out. God's looking for a place to show up and to do all that we've been asking him to do. He's simply asking us as family. He's saying, family, family, I need you to worship together. Amen? But family doesn't just worship together. Family also works together. Amen? Now, the worship part, 
The worship part's pretty easy, I think. I think I, I like to worship, amen? I love to sing. You get the band going, you get some good singers up there, man, it's not hard, amen? But when it comes to working, it gets a little, I don't know, it's something about work, amen? Look, I used to, I pastored for 10 years upstate. I know what I'm talking about, amen? Like how many people, does this many people show up at church work day, Pastor Bill? No, no. Uh -uh. Look, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, you know, it's one thing to worship. We all come to worship service, amen? But we don't all come to work day, amen? But God is saying, look, if your family, family got to work together, amen? Well, what, is, what does James say? He says it like this in James chapter 2. He says that faith without what? Works is dead, amen? So we can worship God all day long, but we've got to still work, amen? Look, 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 you can be super spiritual, but you need to be a super worker too, amen? And I'm not saying that we work in order to gain grace, but we work because it's a reflection of awesome grace, amen? It's a response to the grace. It's not to get more grace, but we're still driven to work for him. Family doesn't just worship together, but God is saying to this family that this family works together, amen? We work together. And this is what it says. It says in Psalm 133, there probably isn't a better passage of Scripture that I could find than Psalm 133. You know Psalm 133, right? It says how good and pleasant it is when the brethren work together. Amen? That's the, that's the King James Version. Come on, the new modern version, say it like this. How good and pleasant it is when God's family comes together. Amen? When God's people come together. It says things like when we live together, when we dwell together. The point is when we work together. Amen? When we work together, when there's harmony in this house, when there's unity in this place, when God is able to, I don't know, to get us all together, not just to worship, but to start working. David said, it's kind of like this. He said, it's kind of like the anointing oil in verse 2, Psalm 133. He said, it's like that oil that they would pour on Aaron. It would be down on Aaron's beard. It would get onto his collar. And the truth is, when they would anoint someone back in the Old Testament, the oil would cover the whole body. It would cover everything. You see, God's trying to cover everything. He doesn't want to leave anything out. He said it's like, it's like the dew of Hermon falling down on the mountain. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Verse 3, Psalm 133, David said that is the place that God commands his blessing. The, 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 you don't find this kind of wording in the scripture very often, but it says in Psalm 133 and 3 that when God sees the body coming together, when he sees us working together, when he sees us living and dwelling together, that it catches, it captures the attention of God and God says, I begin to speak over that. I begin to command blessings over that. that, that what kind of blessings? Blessings that are eternal. It says life evermore. Well, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying if the family would work together, then God says, I will bless you, and it won't be temporary, but it will be lasting. God says, I'll do something that won't just be good today. It'll be good tomorrow, next week, next year. You say, what does that mean? It means when we work together, when we come together, when we forget about our differences, and when we lay all that stuff down and get rid of all the baggage, and we come together, and we're kingdom-minded, building the kingdom of God. God says, I will pour out blessings on Lexington Road that nothing can take away. It will be lasting. It will be with you. It will be with your children and your grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren. It will be here till the day that Jesus comes back again for his church. That's the kind of blessing that God wants to bestow and to pour out on his church. You say, how does it happen? It happens when we work together. Amen? So I'm going to get a little less spiritual. Is that all right? I like, yeah, I've got different gears. Sometimes I'm real spiritual, and then sometimes I'm back down. I'm less spiritual. Is that Okay. It's not going to be horrible, Pastor Bill. You, you always give me these looks, man. Oh, my gosh. 
I'm not going to read anything to you out of Vogue magazine. Just something I came across the other day. Are you guys good listeners? You got your good listening ears on? You guys are looking at me really strange, amen? Am I, it's, I don't know, is, is this not good? Is this, I could preach something else. I got to, you guys okay? All right. You don't look mad at me, but you look, I don't know, you look like you're really thinking. Maybe you're just, maybe you're taking it all in. Maybe it's just so awesome that you're speechless, amen? Here it is, here it is. You got to listen quick because I'm going to read quick. It says, once upon a time, you already know that's not the Bible. Once upon a time, there were four people named everybody, somebody, nobody, and anybody. When there was an important job to be done, everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. When nobody did it, everybody got angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that somebody would do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. So it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done in the first place. Did you catch that? You know what that means, right? It means that we, we've got work to do, amen? It means that there's a job to be done in the kingdom, amen? Your pastor didn't ask me to say this. The Holy Spirit sent me here to tell you this. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you there's a call on your life, amen? There's something incredibly unique about your life. Psalm 139, you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. Amen? The, the Ephesians 2 and 10, it says that you are God's masterpiece. Amen? There is something incredible about you. There is something about you that is unlike anyone else. There is a way that you say it that no one else can say it. There is a way that you do it that nobody else can do it. There is something incredible about you. You have this anointing on your life that the Holy Spirit has given you. There is a reason that Christ has saved you to put a dent in this world, to do something that is lasting, to do something that is incredible. I'm here today to tell you no matter who you are, and you may say, preacher, you don't know me. I've been living in sin all my life. It doesn't matter. Jesus loves you. He will forgive you. He will still use you. You have a voice. You can make a difference. There is work to be done in the kingdom. Amen? If you're not engaged in kingdom work, then you need to get engaged in kingdom work. If we're not doing something for the kingdom, we need to get busy about our father's business amen we've got to get to work you say why because that's what family does amen that's what family does family works together I'm reminded back to Acts chapter 2 we talked about verses 1 through 4 but how about verses 42 through 47 the church was birthed in verses 1 through 4 but we get a picture of what the church looked like in verses 42 through 47 it says that there was something unique about this group of people it says that there was something, I don't know, attractive. There was something that God was doing. There was something that God was stirring. And I know sometimes, we you know, we want to be ultra modern. And I am, I love technology and I want to be super modern. But I'm telling you, there's rock solid principles in the word of God that we can never get away from. Amen. I'm telling you, there's things that we've got to be listening to. It reads like this. It reads like this. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. It says, Says that there were many wonders, miraculous signs done by the apostles. And everybody's saying, how come we don't have that 25 years ago, 50 years ago? And I'm not trying to be uh, ugly about this. I'm just saying I always hear these things. We used to see God move. We used to see miracles. There were signs and there were what? Where's God now? I feel like God's saying, where's my church now? You see, if we would work together, we would see God do these things. Amen? Amen. 
Come on, there's no lone rangers in this thing. There are no superstars in Christianity. There's only one superhero, and his name is Jesus, and you're not it. Everything else takes the body. It's a body work. We're building the kingdom together. God says family works together. It says that all these things were happening. It was beautiful. It was incredible. All the believers were together. They had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods, giving to everyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, breaking bread, meeting in their homes, meeting with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I'm saying God is trying to say Lexington Road, and it's not just Lexington Road. It's the church of God. It's not just the church of God. It's all of Christianity. It's all of Christendom. It's anyone and everyone that follow Christ. We've got to get it together. The Greek word is koinonia. You've heard that before, right? Koinonia. It means, it means community. It means they had a common unity. It means that their interests and their purposes were aligned, that they were a fellowship full of relationships, that everyone had ownership. There was participation. Everyone made contribution. They were a body of believers that would come together on a daily basis. Sister Lisa told me yesterday, she said, it's amazing. This, I was complimenting the uh, Family Life Center. I don't know. Maybe it's, is it that way? I don't even know where I'm at. Amen? Amen. It's over there. I said, man, this place is awesome. She said, it is. She said, you know what? I mean, there's something going on here every day. She said, every day, even the community is using this building every day. And I don't know, but the Holy Spirit just began speaking to me. I was thinking about that last night of this morning. And you, look, you know, the parking lot just got done. And you're, look, there's a new phase that's coming up. And I really, and now I'll be a little prophetic, maybe more so than I was earlier, but I feel like God is saying, Lexington Road, you see all this big building that I've built, these parking lots and the communities coming, and Koinonia, common unity is existing and working in this place. What you see in the physical is what God says, I'm going to do in the spiritual. Amen? I look, look, I look. Some people say, don't get caught up in buildings, amen? But I'm saying there's a message in the building. There's a message in the facility. There's a message in the heart. And what's motivating you to do all of this, and God says, you see all these things with your eyes. God's saying in the spiritual, I'm building my kingdom. I'm adding to the numbers daily. I'm bringing them in. This is a light. Pastor Bill, this is a lighthouse. You're on the right track. You keep building. You keep pressing. Keep pushing. Keep believing. You keep doing. Keep praying. Keep seeking keep asking and God will keep answering he'll keep opening doors you will keep finding you keep working Lexington Road keep working why because that's what family does family works together amen I just want to encourage you I just I just really want to encourage you Pastor Bill I encourage you keep at it keep at it keep at it be persistent because everything you see with these natural eyes is just a reflection and just a small reflection of everything that God is doing spiritually. Don't forget that. He says that's what family does, right? Family works together. That's what family does. Family doesn't just work together, but they worship together. And last, but certainly not least, why would family worship together? Why would family work together? Because the beauty of all of this is that family wins together. Amen. You know, I like, you know, one of the things I like about Acts chapter 2 the most is it says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them. Now, do you think that all them, all them 120 believers, do you think they were all on the same page? I don't think so. And look, there was at least a dozen of them in there that were going, this is crazy. I am out of here. As soon as that door gets cracked, I am leaving. Amen? 
No, look, I'm not saying that that's not anyone in this church. That's the other church down the road. I'm not saying it's you. It was them, somebody else. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but when God did it, it says that everybody got filled. Amen? It reminds me when Paul was on that crazy ship and it was going down and the angel came, God gave, he said, everybody's making it on this one. Amen? I just feel like God is saying, God is saying everybody gets this. Amen? That the, I know some of you are saying, you're saying, I want to win. I don't want to win. I want us to win. This is not a me win. This is a we win. This is, God, we win. God wants us to win. Everybody to get filled. Everybody to get saved. You know what I'm saying? That's exciting to me. It, it, the, that's kingdom minded to me. It, like, I love Victory tastes better when the team wins. Amen? Who's that crazy guy? I don't know who he said. I don't know who it is, and I don't even know why he said it. He said it's not about whether you win or lose, but it's about how you play the game. You know what that is? That's a good example of a big fat lie. Amen? That's the craziest lie I've ever heard in my life. It is about winning and losing. Amen? I don't want to lose. Look, I've got this competitive blood in me. I don't know. It must have came from Pastor Bill's side. I don't know where it came from. I like to win. At the end of the day, I want to win. At the end of this life, I want to win. And it's not just me. I want us all to win. Amen? Maybe that's why God called me into ministry. That's why I'm so passionate about this stuff. I want us all to win. And God is saying to you, Lexington Road, if this family will continue to worship, if you will continue to work, then you will continue to win. Amen? I want to win. So here it is. Here's a good story. You ready for a good story? And I'm slowing down. The plane is landing. The turkey is almost done. Amen. We're getting there, I promise. It's Genesis. No, is it Genesis? Let me make sure. Exodus. Genesis, Exodus. It's the second one, right? Exodus chapter 17. You know, I look, I know you know this story. I like to speak in the familiar, right? Because I don't want, look, I'm not the preacher that's going to wow you. You know, I'm not the one that's going to like, like uncover something that no one's ever heard before. And you guys are going to say, wow, that was awesome. I'm, I'm not that guy. I probably should have prefaced that for the beginning, right? You know, I'm not the wow guy. I'm the, comf- I'm, 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 my message is more confirming. Meaning, meaning this, that everything I've told you, you already know. Meaning that everything that I'm saying, the Holy Spirit's been already saying to you. That, that, that what it is, is God's just confirming that everything you've been hearing all this month about family, listen to the Holy Spirit. It's coming together, it's coming together, and now God's confirming his word. Everything you've been hearing, it, the light is green. Let's get it together. Let's worship together. Let's work together. Because God says we win together. So it's Exodus 17. It's about Moses, Aaron, and her. Remember those three guys? So, so they had just escaped the Egyptian bondage, and they're making their way to the promised land. Little did they know it was going to take a little longer than what they had thought, but they didn't quite know it just yet. They run into their first, their first fight. There's, there's a fight. The Amalekites come, and the Amalekites pick a fight with them. But Moses says, don't worry about it. And so this, this is the particular passage that Joshua is introduced for the first time. So Moses calls Joshua. He says, Joshua, get some of the fighting men. You go down in the valley, fight the Amalekites. Myself, Aaron, and Hur will go up on the cliff, remember? We'll go up on the cliff, and as long as I got my hands raised, remember? Do you remember the story? As long as I got my hands raised, then, then we'll be victorious. And so he went up there, amen, and they began to fight. But, but, but look, but look but I don't care how much and how awesome a man of God or woman of God or you, you, you may be, how spiritual and incredible you may be. The truth is, the truth is that we get tired, amen? The truth is that Pastor Bill gets tired. We get worn and we get weary. Again, it's not about me. It's about we. This is a we thing. But Moses, we, oui, we, oui, that's French. Parlez-vous français? Ah, c'est chouette. That's all I know. I took like eight years of French. That's all I got. Moving on. You guys aren't laughing as much over here, amen? It's these three guys in the front row. I feel like you guys want to hurt me. You guys, 
You're not going to do that, right? You got holes in your jeans. You're not going to tear my pants up, are you? I'm kidding. I know it's stylish. I have a pair of jeans with holes in them. I'm 47. I, I know. The old guy with the whole, holy jeans. What was I talking about? Come on. You guys messed me up. Oh, yeah. It was Aaron and her. Thank you, Heather. See, see, Heather was going to preach this morning. There's her, that was her spot right there. Aaron, look, Moses got tired. We get tired. He got tired. You know the story. Aaron and her had to step in. They put a rock underneath them. They got on one side. They got on the other side, and they helped him out. Why? What's the principle? The principle is this, is that we win together. That's how we win. It wasn't about Moses. No, no, it was the three of them. It was a, I would say that Solomon in Ecclesiastes was even thinking about it. Remember, he said one is good, two is even better, but three, three is the best. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. Remember that passage? I think that he may have been thinking about this moment. Maybe he was reflecting on that moment. I feel like the church needs to reflect on that moment that we've got to work together. We have to worship together. We've got to do it together because when we do, God gives victory, and he gave them victory that day. God wants to give victory. Victory, amen? Amen? Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, it wasn't a solo that night in the jail. It was a duet. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying that we're a choir. We've got to get it together. They sang together. It wasn't meant for one person to sing. It was meant for both of them to sing. And when they sang, and when they begin to worship, and when they begin to harmonize, and I don't know what they did that night. The Bible says that God shook the whole place, and every jail cell was open. Every chain fell. It said that the jail people, the best part of the story, keep reading, is that the jail keeper and his family got saved. That's the best part part of this story. You say, why? Because two people decided that worship and work was more important than anything else. And they did what God told them to do. They did it together. They won together. Everybody wins when the church gets it together. And so here it is, my last story. I don't know if the worship team comes. I don't know if the worship team come. Okay. Some churches, they like play something soft from the media booth. I like the real team. Amen. I tell people, I tell people, uh, this is my classic story, so I'll tell you once, and, well, I don't know if Pastor Bill will ever have me back again, but if he does, I promise I won't say anything. And the old regular Baptists, so all my family's from Eastern Kentucky, the old regular Baptists, and what they would do is they would call you down. Have you ever heard that before? They'd call you down. Like when all the other preachers thought you were done preaching and your wife has got big eyes and she's nodding at you going like that, they would start singing. And, and, and the guy preaching knew that he was done preaching because all the other preachers were singing. And I think that's why we have worship teams come up. You know what I'm saying? So the louder you get, the better you sound, the less you'll preach. Amen? You guys remember that next time. Amen? They're calling you down. So here's my last story, I promise. And you guys can play lightly. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And really, this is like the, this is the worship teams. Like, I was a worship leader for 10 years. I love worship. I know maybe I don't sound like a great singer. I don't play any instruments. But I know how to worship. Amen? And you've got a great worship team. And it's not about the ability to play, and it's not even about the ability to sing, although that's helpful. It's, it's I don't know, it's, it's the, the worshiper, it's like the ability to worship. I don't know. I don't even know if it's an ability. It's just a, a craving, a longing to worship God. And you've got that here, amen? And so this may be for the worship team. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to just try to run through the story, and then we're going to end, and then we're going to pray. But I think it captures everything. If there was one story that captures everything that God's been trying to say, not just today, but I would say throughout the entirety of this month, it maybe is found in this story. And the story begins like this. It's King Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah. He may not be like the best king, but he's a pretty good king. What's that commercial? Was that? He, he was okay. You know, He was okay. Just okay? He was okay. 
Well, he wasn't super bad, but he wasn't super great. It says that he was doing his thing, and all of a sudden three nations came together, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Munites, the men of Mount Seir, that those three nations came together, and they were going to take over all of Judah. They were going to just ransack Jerusalem. They were like, they were going to just, you know, they were going to burn it to the ground and take everything away. And Jehoshaphat's falling apart, right? Because it's like, God, we've been trying to do the right thing. God, I thought we were on the right track. I know maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not the greatest king that we've ever had, but I've been trying to do the right thing. And in the middle of everything seems to be going pretty good. And I've been paying my tithe, you know what I'm saying? Like the, that Christianese that we talk. God, I've been going to church and doing, you know, sometimes really bad things happen to really good people, amen? And this is one of those situations. And so what does he do? I love his response. He didn't get mad at God. He didn't get upset with God. He said, everybody come home. That was the bell they rang. Everybody come home. Family, come home. He did. He rang the bell. And it says that husbands and wives and children, everybody came home. They came back to Jerusalem. And everybody began praying and they began fasting. They began worshiping. Not, not, not just some of them, but all of them. And then Jehoshaphat met them, and he prayed this prayer. It's a great prayer, a model prayer, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, great prayer. He began to remind God, God, you brought us here. God, you moved everybody out. God, you said that this was going to be our land, our spot. Jerusalem was going to be your temple. This is where you would dwell. If we would come here and come to you and talk to you, that you would, you would help us, you would, you would protect us, that God, all this happening, we need you. I love the way he ended the prayer. He ended it like this. I had, to, I had to underscore it. He said it like this. He said, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And I love that. That's the way I'm going to end all my prayers. God, I don't know what to do. Oh, the older I get, the more I feel that way. God, I have absolutely no idea what to do, but my eyes are on you. And the Bible says that as his eyes were on Jesus, and I would say everybody's eyes was looking up to God, that God raised up, he raised up a worshiper. You know that? The Bible says his name was Jehaziel. But Jehaziel wasn't just a Levite, but he was a Levite in the descendants of Asaph. Everybody remembers Asaph because if you go back to the book of Psalms, Asaph was a songwriter. That this, this family, the Jehaziel, they were, they were the worshipers in the temple. That's who they were. And God raised up the worshiper to be a prophet. Do you know that every song that you sing is prophetic and it speaks life? He, wrote, he raised him up something. The worship on the inside of him got raised up. Something on the inside of him got stirred up like Joshua. Like, like I don't know, like me, maybe like you. And he said, he said, oh, great King Jehoshaphat. He began to speak to him. He began to speak life into him. He said things like this, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged for this vast army. And you know this part, right? For the battle isn't yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. You remember that? Look, I don't know what you're fighting, and I know this is, maybe this is a little off topic. It may be off topic for somebody else, but this is you. That I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're up against. You may not know what to do, but you just keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? That I don't know, you just so let, let that worship flow. I don't know, maybe you're not Jehaziel. Maybe you're not on the worship team, but just, but just let it begin to flow. You just begin to speak your praises to God. And what God would have me say to you is don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The battle does not belong to you. This battle belongs to the Lord. 
He said, Josiah, you just go out tomorrow, man. Go out tomorrow. You guys suit up, put the armor on, go to work. It's work. It's business as usual. Absolutely. You go out there. You take your stand. You march the troops, and you go to them. And when you get there, know this, that God has gone ahead. He's prepared a way, and you, when you get there, you'll be victorious. You don't have to fight this thing. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Come on, you remember the story now, right? Because then when it, they, they slept on it, amen? Usually when we sleep on it, we wake up and we, I don't know, sometimes we mess it up. But man, this is one of those rare instances where he got it right. Because he woke up. Look, and I, I guarantee he did not talk to the generals. He did not talk to the fighting men. He didn't talk to the captains and the battalion leaders. No, he didn't talk to any of them. He had been talking to God. And he said, get the worship team. Pastor Bill, it's not in there. But I got a feeling that Jehaziel was in that worship team. I got a feeling. Look, he was one of the worshipers. He got the worship team together. And he said, look, the army's going to move. We're going to march. We're going to step. We're going to be in cadence. We're going to gear up. We're going to put the armor on. Everybody get their sword. Look, we're still going to work. We're still going to work. But put the worship out front. And you know the story, right? As they begin to worship God. As they began to lift up the name, and they sang the same song that they sang in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. You hear it throughout the Psalms. God, you are good, and your love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. That's all they sang. And the Bible says as they begin to sing, that God took that worship, and he transformed their situation. Oh, do you see the value in worship? It says in Psalm 108, David says, My heart is steadfast to God. God, I am confident in you. It's why I worship you. It's why I praise you. He says, Wake up, harp. Wake up, O Lear. I will wake up the day with my praise. The dawn will rise in my praise. He said, What are you saying? What's David saying? David is saying what Jehoshaphat and the worship team was saying that when we worship God, it wakes things up, it causes God to move. It's like Jesus in the boat in Mark chapter 4. He was asleep. They had to go wake him up. Church, sometimes we've got to wake him up. Sometimes we've got to realize that with this voice, not one voice, but all the voices, when we come together, when we worship together, God will move, man. He will move mountains. Hallelujah. And it says that God took their worship and he threw that worship at the enemy. And the enemy was confused. And the Moabites and the Ammonites attacked the Munites. And then they attacked each other. And before Judah could ever get there, the battle had already been won. They thought they were going to lose everything. But do you know, as a result, it took them three days to carry the blessings back home. They were triple blessed when they thought they stood to lose it all. Why? Because somebody decided to go to work that day. Somebody decided the church is going to worship today. When we worship and when we work, God says we'll always win. Amen? Amen? Will you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. 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 Just pray with me real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. God giving you praise, giving you thanks. God, I believe the Lexington Road, Pastor Bill, Sister Lisa, God, they've been, they've been about your business. God, this church has been worshiping. They've been working. I pray that they would start winning. God, I pray that they would begin to see all that you're wanting to do, that, God, you would begin putting it together. 
Father, you would do something supernatural in this place, in this house, in these lives. God, God, that as this family, God, as this family would work, God, as this family would worship, that God, this family, in the name of Jesus, that God, they would win. this morning I really was and I just I don't know I feel like God wants to save today is that okay we've been talking about family I think some of you some of you you don't feel like you're part of the family but you could be a part of the family amen you can be in this family the family of God you can be in Christ so if you don't look if you don't know Jesus this morning I don't know Maybe you used to know him, but I don't know, things got messed up and you've kind of gone the, like a prodigal son. You've just gone the wrong way. Maybe you've never came, I don't know, come into a right relationship with Jesus. I don't, look, I don't know. You could call it, what we call it backslidden. We call it all these weird things. If you need to be in a right relationship with Christ, if you need to get plugged into this family that God's been talking about, the one that worships and works together, wins together, then I just, I want you to know the altar's open. Amen. I'm going to do it a little differently. A lot of times people say, you know, bow your head and close your eyes. God convicted me. I don't do that anymore. So with every head up and every eye open, amen. Look, if you can't make a decision to follow Christ and to come to Christ in this atmosphere, then you'll never, ever, ever keep it in that one out there. So don't be ashamed, amen. If you need, look, if you just need to make things right, I just want you to come right now. Just come right here to this altar. We'll pray with you. Just step on out, amen? If that's you, I just want you to come on. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, since we're family, are we family? Just ask that person next to you, since we're family. Say, hey, if you need to go to the altar, I'll come with you. Ask them. You got to look at them. Well, if they need to come, bring them, amen? Bring them. Let's make it right. Anybody? Anyone? All right. Amen. Amen. Come on up, brother. Amen. Amen. I don't know who you are, but man, God had you on my heart this morning. Amen. Anybody else want to come and join my brother? Come on. God's in the saving business. He's trying to grow this family. Amen. If you want to come, I want you to come right now. All right, we're going to pray. Is that okay? I'm going to come on down here. So this is what we're going to do. This is going to be weird. I'm going to get weird, Pastor Bill. Is that all right? They're used to it. So the best way to understand a relationship with Christ is to understand how two people get married. Do you know that's the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with you? He does. He wants to have that kind of relationship. So I know that you didn't plan on coming to church to get married. Well, we're going to get married. Is that all right? We're going to do a marriage ceremony. Is that all right? So I'm the preacher. You're the bride. And he's the bridegroom. Amen? 
And so I'll just, you know how the preacher says, repeat after me? So you just, you repeat after me if you believe it. And for those of you who are out there, I'll just, because I don't believe that everyone came that needed to come, but wherever you may be, you just pray this prayer, amen? And if you pray this prayer and if you believe this prayer, then God will do something supernatural in your life. He will transform you and you will never be the same again. For 26 years, I have never, and I just, it keeps getting better, amen? So you guys ready to pray? I'm gonna ask us all to pray, is that okay? Let's just all pray this together. So pray with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you. I thank you. And I praise you for loving me. I'm asking you to forgive me, to cleanse me of all my mistakes. I've said bad things. I've done bad things. I'm asking you to forgive me change me come into my life I don't ever want to be the same with all my heart I believe and with my mouth I confess that you Jesus are the son of God and I'm asking you to save me save me be with me Jesus, I pray.